0: It's been another tragic uh, night, which makes these conversations even more important. It makes moments when we say we will show up, we'll get involved, more critical. It makes our prayers, our support, and our engagement with all those who have the responsibility to lead and serve us in public life even more paramount. So we are aware this morning that the parties have suspended national uh, campaigning, out of respect for those that have died and murdered and those that have been uh, injured. But at this local level, uh, we believe together that it's important for these kind of conversations, even in the shadow of what's happened, uh, to carry on. And so I'm really delighted that Sandy Martin is with us. He's the parliamentary candidate for the Labour Party, and uh, I'd invite you to give him a very warm Burlington welcome. (laughs)
1: Should be. Thank you, Simon.
0: There we go All good. It's, we really appreciate you coming, and we realize that we 're having this conversation in a particular context. But tell us firstly just a little bit about yourself and uh, your connection with Ipswich and what drives you uh, to serve in public life.
1: Well, I actually got involved with things that were like politics uh, before I joined. Uh, the Labour Party um I uh, worked for a time in the National Peace Council in London because uh, I was so horrified to see people killing each other in wars around the world I wanted to do my bit there um and when I moved back to Suffolk in 1987 somebody said to me if you're going to change the world uh, you actually need to get involved in politics because where you have a democracy you can actually make those decisions it 's no good just shouting about them you 've actually got to get in there and help them happen. So I was really, really pleased to see your little infographic up there. I think that 's brilliant. I wish everyone could see that and uh, Yes, get involved. Um, a friend of mine uh, said to her son uh, one time um, uh, oh that 's right he asked He, he, he said to her um, if can you imagine yourself?" She was a Labour Party member. Uh, Can you imagine yourself of a voting Conservative? And she said, well, yes, actually, yes, I could. If it was a choice between a Conservative and a member of the British National Party, then yes, I would vote Conservative. And he said, I wouldn't. He said, I'd stand myself. And that's the thing, isn't it? If you you want to put forward uh, a view and you can't see somebody else representing that view, you need to be in there and making that view yourself.
0: So can you summarize for us what kind of view or ideology you epitomize in or what you're bringing to the table?
1: I think everybody in the world has something to offer. Uh, I want to see a world where nobody feels marginalised, where nobody feels uh, that they're being ignored, uh, where nobody feels that because they haven't got a degree or because they haven't got uh, this, that, or the other attribute that they should uh, not be able to play a full part in life, which is one of the reasons why I joined the Labour Party, because I think the Labour Party is very firmly committed to uh, enabling everybody to get on uh, rather than... Uh, just uh, people who happen to have more money or who happen to have a better education or whatever.
0: And uh, we're in a, a faith context. Do, do you share a faith?
1: I don't, Simon, no. I'm, I'm going to be completely honest about this. I was an evangelical Christian when I was a teenager. Uh, I don't actually believe in God, but I do believe uh, that the, uh, the power and uh, the uh, beliefs that you have as Christians, are making a better world. I share those beliefs uh, about loving each other, about working together to make the world a better place. And, uh, and I'm sorry I don't believe in God. I would be dishonest to say otherwise. But um, I think that apart from that, we can share most of our beliefs together.
0: You don't need to be sorry on our account. <laughs> very, very welcome here uh, this morning. The, the, the big overarching uh, issue around this election, of course, is Brexit. Uh, Ipswich voted overwhelmingly to leave. In fact, more people voted in Ipswich than higher than the, the national average. Um, what were people in Ipswich really saying when they voted to leave? And, and how would a future government respond to what they were asking for?
1: Well, I'm not sure it's overwhelming. I mean, it was there was certainly a, a significant majority of Ipswich people voted to leave. I think it was 68% or 69 No, only 58. 58%. 58%, 58%, 58%, 58% right, yeah, of people, yeah.
0: whereas the, the national average was, was 52 51, 51, something, yeah.
1: But it's, uh, nonetheless, you know, there's a significant number of people in Ipswich voted to remain, um, and actually more Labour voters voted to remain than uh, voted to leave. Um, I still think it was the wrong decision. Um and uh people get a bit uh hung up about this in, in, in democratic politics where people vote on something you don't have to agree that you think they were right if they vote for something that you didn't believe in uh that would be uh that would be like um nailing your beliefs to whichever wind blew uh it's not right if you have principles if you have beliefs you should stick to them um but at the same time we have a voting system because that is the only sensible and safe way to make those decisions. So the decision was made. I still think it was the wrong decision, but we now have to work with the decision that was made in order to achieve the best possible uh, outcome for our country. And I think that a lot of the re- reasons that people voted to leave were reasons that I could understand. And First of all... Uh, I think that there are far too many decisions about our country, about our town, uh, being taken in boardrooms of multinational corporations which bear very little uh, relationship to what is best for people around here. Um, And secondly, I think uh, that there are people who are profiting financially out of other people's misery. And uh, I have to say, some of those are people here in Ipswich. And when it is possible... Uh, to employ a whole bunch of people from another country at significantly less money than the people in your community are being paid. And then use those people in order to undercut the wages that people around here are being paid and make more profit for the employer, that is not only morally wrong, but it also has created a, uh, an antipathy, a them-and-us situation here in our town, which is deeply unhelpful. So those things should have been dealt with, and I don't just blame the present government, I blame the previous government as well for not having dealt with those things and made sure that when people are working, they're paid properly for their work and made sure uh, that we didn't have uh, one set of people from one country being set up in antipathy to uh, another set of people from another country.
0: So perhaps just to delve in a little bit deeper there, as you've alluded to, the landscape in Ipswich or certain parts of Ipswich has significantly changed over recent years with the number of uh, immigrants. I- is that, has that been a good thing for the town?
1: I, uh, my m- mother's father's I'm I'm sorry. This is very, very boring, but I think it's important. My mother's father's mother's father was was a Dutch tea plantation owner in Sri Lanka, and he married one of his Malay staff. My father is from Dundee. Uh, My mother's mother's family were from Sproat. They had a farm in Sproat and just outside Ipswich. So I come from all sorts of different parts of the world. Um, uh, Cambridge University, I think it was, did a study of uh, they wanted to find an area where there was a very, very close um, genetic uh, similarity between all the people who lived there, so they picked a particular uh, village in North Yorkshire where hardly anybody had moved for hundreds of years, Um, and they did a genetic study of those people, and they discovered that there was a significant genetic trait in those people which came from black Soldiers who had been stationed on Hadrian's Wall during the Roman Empire. So we are all a mixture. Every single person in this world is a mixture. We all come from the whole world. If we can't work together here in Ipswich, we are never ever ever going to be able to work together in the rest of the world. So So does immigration need to change? I think immigration has always happened, and it will always happen. But I don't think having a mass immigration in a short period of time is helpful. We need to have a cohesive town. We need to have a town where everybody feels comfortable talking to everybody else, where everybody feels that we're, that we're all working together to make Ipswich better and a better town, and we won't get that if half of the people in the town can't speak the same language as the other half of the people in the town. So we need to have immigration at a sensible level where people can actually fit in and get to know each other and work together. And we also need to help people who are here who maybe don't speak English as well as they might be able to or who don't understand what's going on. We need to help them to uh, become more of part of the town and working in harmony with the rest of the people in the town as well.
0: So we've had two awful terrorist attacks in, in, since the call of the general election and three awful terrorist attacks in as many months. Mm. Uh, Jeremy Corbyn spoke, uh, the Labour leader, just uh, last week or so, and I don't want to put words in his mouth, so feel very free to correct me. He, he was very clear to say, as I think we would all agree, that responsibility lies solely and completely at the, the feet of the terrorists that mm. perpetuate such evil. But there was the suggestion that our foreign policy... Uh, doesn't help us in this regard. It, it makes us the subject of evil or of hate in the world. How would Labour's foreign policy be distinctively different from uh, our current foreign policy, and how might that help in this regard? This
1: is, uh, this is a very difficult uh, area to go into, Simon, because clearly I don't want to say anything to anybody uh, which anyone will interpret as me having any sympathy at all for the people who've carried out this horrible atrocity. There is absolutely no excuse for terrorism, ever, anywhere. Uh, Violence and death does not cure uh, the problem, any problem. The only way we're going to get over the problems that we have between people of different faiths or between people of different backgrounds or different countries is to actually find a way that we can work together. And we need to use love in order to find our way through that. Um, But uh, that actually is part of the answer to your question, isn't it? Because if we have a situation where we can use some of our resources in a loving way to show people... Uh, a way forward in other countries then we should be doing that and I don't think in, uh, apart from extremely uh, very very um, unusual circumstances but 99.9% of the time that is not going to involve Uh, flying over with uh, uh, aeroplanes and bombing them and uh, certainly uh, in the case of Syria where you've got lots and lots of different factions all Mm -hmm. fighting each other I cannot see how any more weapons from any other country is going to make the situation better I can't, I really can't so I I want to uh, I want to see a world where people are not using weapons as a way of settling arguments Um, there are occasionally going to be situations where we have absolutely no choice. The best example I can think of of a situation where we had absolutely no choice actually was in Yugoslavia, where uh, there was a whole uh, nation of, uh, in uh, Kosovo which were in danger of being killed, and uh, actually a very small, short, targeted bombing campaign brought that civil war to an end. But apart from very, very rare circumstances like that, I cannot see how the use of armed force in somebody else's country is likely to bring about a good solution. And uh, and that leads me on, actually, to uh, foreign aid, if I may, because I know a lot of people have said, oh, well, why should we be sending all this money uh, to countries abroad uh, you know, when we can't afford to uh, support our health service or our education properly? Actually, we've got to do both. Uh, we've got to do both, because foreign aid is one of the best ways that we can help other countries to actually improve, to become less likely to have civil wars, to deal with some of the problems that have, in other places, led to fighting. And uh, anything that we can do to make the world a more peaceful place is well worth doing. And it's well worth doing alongside uh, doing the right thing by people in this country as well.
0: Great. let's bring the whole thing closer to home. We're we're passionate about family. We're passionate about marriage because we believe it makes society uh, more stable. What might we see uh, a Labour Party government uh, doing to strengthen the bedrock of marriage and just to stop the whole hemorrhaging of relationships that we're seeing in
1: our country? That's a very difficult one, Simon. I'm, I'm not sure to what extent uh, it's down to governments. Uh, very often I think people are um, convinced that if only the government were to do this or if only the government were to do that, Uh, So much depends on personal relationships, on people's own... taking their own responsibility for their own lives. Um, But I would just say that I think that we need to make sure that when children are in school, they're learning about a moral way of life as well as learning about maths and English and and science and so on. Because uh, only by having... Moral teaching, and I, I say this in the loosest possible context, I'm not necessarily just talking about religious teaching, but moral teaching in school is a way of encouraging more children, especially children, not not children from uh, loving families like the families that are here today, but there are families, let's be honest, uh, out there which are failing as families, and those children need that teaching more than any other children. They need to have somebody who's there to show them that there is a better way so that they don't themselves have failing families when they grow up.
0: So that's a very interesting point. And this might be where the government can, or you feel that the government can offer uh, even even more. It's my observation in the social sector that the breakdown in relationships is one of the primary causes of an absolute epidemic in mental health. Mm, mm. Uh, How is the government going to help How would a Labour government help us to absolutely inject cash and people and resources into a mental health system that is j- just totally overwhelmed, I mean, in need of mental health themselves, yes. <laughs> simply because of the volume of, of, uh, of issues they're facing.
1: Yeah, I, I think you're right. I mean, I think almost everybody agrees that the mental health services in Suffolk are uh, on their knees. We need to have that extra cash, but we need it to be targeted in the right places as well. I think we need to have more uh, counselling and help available... For young people in schools. We need to have more counselling and help available for people more quickly. Uh, uh, I had a, one of my best friends uh, killed himself about two years ago and he had Uh, made it perfectly clear that he was feeling depressed, and he'd been given a counselling appointment in six weeks' time. Now, when you are suicidally depressed, telling you that you can have an appointment in six weeks' time is almost worse than useless. Mm -hmm. And it's not the fault of the people working in the mental health services. It's Mm -hmm. because they haven't got the resources. Mm -hmm. So um, am I allowed to um, do a party political pitch here or not? Go for it. Okay, because we, we actually think that there are some things that almost everybody in this country agrees we need to do better and uh, one of them is education and one of them is health Uh, and we know that with an additional six billion pounds and I know it sounds like a lot of money with an additional six billion pounds we can have the health service that we know we want and deserve and that is not just hospitals it's also social care care for the elderly and, and mental health and uh, health counselling and so on. So, where, where's the six billion coming from? So, we we have identified three areas where we think we can collect more tax. First of all, it would be on the incomes of people earning over eighty thousand a year. Oh, uh, that's all right. <laughs> <laughs> well, you say you say that very quickly, but actually, actually, it, if you look at how much income is paid to how many people. Most people in this room, I should imagine, most people in this church, uh, would not be earning 80,000 a year. There are about 5% of the population in this country earn above 80,000 a year. But they get a very significant slice of the income cake. And we believe that they can easily afford to pay five pence in the pound more on their tax, uh, than they are doing at the moment. That would be a major part of the extra money then there is corporation tax, which is the money that's paid by businesses on their profits. Uh, We believe that far too much of the corporation tax in this country is being paid by small businesses, and nowhere near enough of it is being paid by big businesses. So we want to increase the level of corporation tax for big businesses. We want to increase the enforcement so that the big companies that can afford to employ batches of lawyers and accountants don't get away with not paying the taxes, which they are doing at the moment and we also want to introduce a new lower level of corporation tax so that small businesses don't have to pay so much. Uh, small businesses employ more people in this country. They employ all their people that they employ are being employed in this country. So they're already paying through income tax and it makes sense to charge a lo- much lower level of corporation tax on those small businesses because they're already contributing more to this country anyway than the big businesses. And then the third area where we would want to raise taxes is in capital gains tax. I don't know if anyone here has ever had to pay any capital gains tax. But capital gains tax is the tax you pay if you sell land or a big asset or uh, um, shares and you have made a profit on buying it at one price and selling it at another price. It's a capital gain. Uh, You don't pay capital gains tax on your own home, but you do pay it on any other big asset that you sell if you've made a profit on it while you've held it. And we think that if people are buying and selling shares or land, they can probably pay a significantly higher rate of tax on those things. Because by and large, the people who are earning money by going out to work and looking after their families need that money. They need that money in order to look after their families. If somebody's making a lot of money out of buying and selling land or shares, they've probably got more money than they need anyway, uh, in which case they can afford to pay a bit more in tax. And with those three extra taxes, we think we can give uh, an additional £6 billion for the health service, an additional £5.6 billion, which is what we need in order to uh, maintain the level of teaching staff and so on in schools and uh, the uh, free tuition at university for young people. We can do those things with those extra taxes.
0: Can I bring it closer to home? We're going to talk about church and then Ipswich as we wind things up uh, together. Uh, we share uh, something, I think, of, of your frustration that government can't do some of the things we long to see in our nation, like stable relationships. The church is by far the biggest voluntary organisation in the country. We've got our sleeves rolled up, trying to help communities stay together. What might we expect from a Labour government in terms of cheering us on... And the flip side of that question is that we feel we suffer a lot of prejudice mm. because we're Christian and because we have a faith dimension to our own community that therefore we're given a wide berth or kept to one side because obviously we're, we're, we would use our faith in an inappropriate way. So there's a, a couple of, of conflicting issues going on there for us and how might a Labour government respond to help us.
1: I, I I actually don't know of any specific policies in our manifesto which would make a massive difference uh to your ability to operate but do you know what uh I think the uh the Baptist Church uh, not just this church but the other Baptist churches in Ipswich are making a massive contribution to our society already we can see uh how successful you're being and uh we need to work with together with all the voluntary sector organisations Uh, in the country in order to try and make society better, in order to try and bring people together. Governments and councils are very good at setting the basic framework, at uh, making sure that the laws are right, in making sure that people who actually are uh, hurtful and uh, damaging the system can be brought to book. But they're not very good at making people think better of each other. And uh, that's the something which I think uh, this church and other churches can really bring to our society is not just uh, doing the physical help, but also bringing people together and helping them to understand that it's only by helping each other and loving each other that we're actually going to make our town a better place.
0: And talking about our time, I know on June the 9th you're looking forward to sleeping all day, uh, <laughs> but if you wake up on June the 10th and you find yourself as our Member of Parliament, mm. what, what are the hopes and dreams for Ipswich? What might we expect to see in our town over the next uh, four or five years?
1: Obviously, I will, I will have to work my way into that, but the, f- the very first thing I'll do, um, and this has got nothing to do with this church, it's, uh, but it is the very first thing I will do, Uh, as your MP, if I am elected, is go to the Department of Transport and uh, ask them to transfer the extra money, uh, over £100 million, that they have allocated for building a bridge over the waterfront and uh, allocate that for building a northern bypass instead. Because uh, if you look at the uh, plans for this bridge, um, I don't think it would be a useful addition To Ipswich, I think it would bring additional traffic to precisely the sorts of residential areas where we don't need additional traffic. What we need is an additional road that will take traffic out of our town centre, and in particular the area around Norwich Road and Chevalier Street. The air quality around Norwich Road and Chevalier Street is appalling. We know that children are dying because of pollution around in that area. So we need to get people out of that part of the town centre. If they're driving and they can drive around the north of the town instead of into the town, then we will not only be making life easier and better for people... Will be saving lives as well. So that would be the first, my first action. Um, there are lots of other things that I would like to do. I walked past um, the uh, I walked past the old county hall on my way here this morning, and I thought, this has been sat here for far too long. That needs to be dealt with. I I I think what we we could make it a. Um, <laughs> I'm not celebrating divorce because divorce is a bad thing, but. Um, uh we could make it a center for the americans to come and visit and uh uh, uh you know make it a, like a, almost a theme park for edward the 8th because uh, they're absolutely fascinated by edward the 8th it would certainly bring a lot more american tourists to our town and and the other thing that happened to me on the way here um, and this is this is actually happened on the way here i went through the underpass at st matthew street And there was a young lady in the underpass, Uh, I think she must have been, judging from her appearance, between 18 and 25, I should say, Um, but very thin and very pale skin and slightly damp looking skin as well. And I guess she's probably a heroin addict. And as I went past, she said, can you spare some change, sir? Can you spare some change? And I thought, no, I'm not going to give her any money because if I give her any money, she will probably spend it on drugs. And I carried on walking, and I walked up the stairs, and I walked past Tesco. And as I was walking past Tesco, I thought, I know what I can do. I'm not going to give her any money because she probably will spend it on drugs. So I nipped into Tesco, and I got her a, a bottle of Coke. No, I beg your pardon. I nipped back down to the underpass, and I said, I'm not going to give you any money, but I'll buy you some food. What would you like? And she said she'd like something sweet. So I said, right, I'll buy you a bottle of Coke and a Mars bar. So I nipped back up to Tesco's, and I bought a bottle of uh, Coke and a Mars bar, and I thought, actually, I'll buy her a sandwich. She might not eat the sandwich, but at least it'll be good for her. And I bought her the sandwich as well, and then I nipped back to where she was sat, and she'd gone. Mm. Because actually all she wanted was money. Because what she wanted was another fix. So the first thing that I would like to do for those sorts of people, I think, is to have an open-access hostel uh, here in Ipswich where people could go, even when they're the under the influence of drugs, even when they're under the influence of drink, somewhere where people are not going to be judgmental before they move in, but where they will have support, uh, stay the night... And they will have that support to try and help them get off the drugs or the drink and and settle down in a home of their own in the end. Great. We'd
0: love to pray for you in this moment, if we may. Father, we thank you again for all those who serve in different ways in public life. We pray for Sandy in the different ways that he serves in public life through these coming weeks and in all that lies ahead. Would you give him every good gift. Would you fan into flame mercy and justice? Would you give him wisdom and clarity? Would you make him useful in everything that he puts his hand to? And we ask that all good things, all truth, all righteousness may grow up afresh in our public life. To that end, bless him, we pray. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Sandy, thank you so much. It's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you so much indeed.